At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Third pick in the 2019 NBA Draft. The New York Knicks select R.J. Barrett, Toronto Duke University. The New York Knicks. Here's David Stern. Everybody, it's your boy, the one and only, the New York Knicks the New York at New York. underscore Presidente, aka check my big board out on Twitter. Um, we're here for another very special episode of Draft Strickland with a very special first time guest. You may know him as your favorite draft prospect clip tweeter on the internet. You can find him tweeting useful nuggets of information, helpful clips, or just generally complaining about where is Usman Garuba's minutes. It's my boy, Itamar, aka DGC. You can find him at you can find him on Twitter at Itamar underscore seventeen underscore ten. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm happy we could finally uh, finally get you on the pod. Um, but before we get started, I would like to announce the Strickland does have a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. It has many tiers. a $6 tier. That gets you access to this podcast every Friday that I do with Prez, Pod Strickland. Uh, you also get access to the mailbag that I do every other week with Jeremy and Drew. Furthermore, you get access to the Strickland Discord, where we talk about the Knicks all the time, 
there's live game chats. It's a fun time. Uh, there's further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to weekly articles by the wonderful Jack Huntley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best Knicks writers in the business. You also will get access to my solo podcast, Rick and Roll, uh, where I yell about the Knicks quite a bit. Uh, even more if that's something that you're interested in. Uh, there's further tiers. There's a $50 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and a $100 tier. Those get you access to a variety of further things like merchandise discounts, live watch parties, listening in on podcast recordings, even potentially hosting a podcast yourself alongside us one day. But whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. Your support is appreciated, and without further ado, let's talk about the New York Knickerbockers, uh, who are now winners of four in a row, the surging Knicks. I I know you've been on Twitter longer than a year, but I didn't follow you until this season, and I just I'm just very happy that I did follow you because uh, I, I really enjoy your tweets about draft prospects and um coming at like the college season with a fresh pair of eyes and um, just seeing how you approach it. And of course, uploading all the clips. And then I also really enjoy um, your thoughts on the Rockets because I don't know a lot of Rockets fans and I really like the players on the team, the young players. Um, They're some of my favorite young players. So I always kind of wondered like what what do Rockets fans think of all this weirdness that is happening so <laughs> it's good to get a little window into that. Uh yeah man. Uh I've also started following you like kind of recently. Uh I was saying who's this dude with a Kemba Walker every spitting knowledge <laughs> on uh draft content and uh yeah <laughs> it's a good decision I think. Uh, uh yeah and let's let's get to it. All right. Yeah. So we're here to continue our uh, our journey through big boards and draft lists and such. And we got a couple of a uh, couple of smart wings and a couple of a couple of flashy ball handling types. Um, I want to start with somebody who I admittedly haven't gotten around to yet. Um, that's Hugo Besson the French guard who's playing on the New Zealand breakers. Um, I'm really excited to f- get into his tape. Eventually. Um, I, the last two years have watched quite a lot of um, the NBL first because of LaMelo and that draft was my first introduction to the league. I had never even watched clips, let alone games of the NBL before that. But that was, um, you might remember that was like the beginning. That was the long draft cycle where uh, we had like a long time to um, think about draft prospects and watch games and stuff. So I had extra time to watch these games. And um, before writing for the Strickland, I used to write for another Knicks website, posting and toasting. And my last piece for them was a really long, really, really like, thousands and like i think it was like 30 clips or something crazy like that on the mellow ball so i had watched a ton of the breakers and then you know with giddy coming in the next year and got to watch some more some more nbl games but i haven't got to it this year so um i just know i seen a couple clips of him and he's instantly the kind of player that i enjoy because he has really flashy disrespectful moves which is like right in my wheelhouse um 
So for people who aren't familiar with Besson, could you give like the sales pitch for why he's interesting and good? Uh, yeah, man. I mean, at the start, I wasn't watching the breakers for Hugo Besson. I barely knew the dude was a, there was a prospect not named Usman Dieng on the team. And then he just popped again and again and again. So I started paying attention to him. Uh, so Besson is a 6 4 guard uh, who is the top, total package offensively for someone who, who doesn't have like great explosion. I mean, he's very fast. He has great. He has a clean jump shot, and he's able to shoot out, out of, of movement and step of step back, like out of the way, like mid range. He has a floater that's that is it's very reliable, and he can go to uh, any time. Really, the thing that first popped to me about him is how how advanced he is compared to the other guards in this class. I mean. He sets up his man with hesitations, with like fake spin moves. With I mean, he just has so much to his bag that I was really impressed immediately. I didn't didn't understand, and I still learn why that guy is like ranked number forty four on mock draft and not twenty or something like that. So with him, really the the speed is outstanding. Uh, he's someone who played point guard in France last year. So he definitely has some of those skills. He makes some fun behind the back passes, especially out of pick and rolls, kind of how they like. Um, he can manipulate the wallman in pick and roll. Uh, like he does, I don't know that he's going to play point guard in the NBA because his decision making isn't clean really to the level where you want him like starting point guard. But I mean, just the all around package of passing of putting pressure on the defense. Like he has a float there, he's not afraid to go into guys and finish for them, even though he's not very strong. Like the shot, he just he kind of has everything offensively. And even though he's a bit of an older prospect, like he's a, a year older than uh, Jaden Hardy, I mean that's still the package to me is so intriguing as a guy who can score in so many ways, contribute in so many ways and kind of adjust his game to against against the defense. So uh, yeah, on defense, I will say that it's kind of rough, kind of rough here. Uh, he he got better for the season. Like he, the start was really bad. I mean, he just defends with his. He's pretty physical, but he defends with his body a lot. And sometimes even that doesn't matter when he gives up end ones because he's just not strong yet. But uh, in general, I mean, I think the offensive upside is so big because of. How good he is in so many different ways, and how smart he is on, on offense. That, like, that's a dude I have in the lottery for me at least because just I can't pass up an offensive package. All right, that was a very good sales pitch. Um, one thing, like, if people if people pull up YouTube clips, the first thing they definitely notice is, or at least that I notice is how clean his jumper is that you mentioned it and his confidence with it. Um, I don't know. I don't have his like threes per 100 possessions, but I'm sure it's decently high. Um, he's He plays very fearless, which I like. Um, you, you know, Knicks fans are somewhat scarred 
from Frank Nilakina, not afraid of European players, but afraid of players, European or not, who like make the right play too much and are never aggressive in a good way. So um, for people listening who hear French guard and then immediately start getting worried, like he's the op, he's, this guy is closer to like a, like a AAU player from the States in terms of how he rolls. And uh, it's clear he grew up watching Kyrie and Steph and all that stuff. Um, He, uh, like you, I'm glad you mentioned that he played point guard in France because I I looked at a lot of his tape and I didn't know that and I was like, okay, this guy, you know, he's he's a chucker and he has cool moves and his defense is like, eh. So like, he seems kind of short for a shooting guard to do all that, but the fact that he can pass a little bit more than he's showing in New Zealand that makes me feel a little bit better because um, to be a good combo guard, you can't just I feel like you can't just be a just be a shooter anymore. You got to have a little bit more, especially if you're only okay on defense. So, um, good to hear that he can, you know, run a pick and roll and uh, manipulate a defense and stuff like that. Um, one question I have for you: um, I have some thoughts on this, but are you worried about inefficiency with him? So he's like a forty percent shooter. He shoots 30% from three. I know he's a much better shooter than that, so I'm not really worried so much about the three-point percentage. I'm more worried about, like, just overall efficiency. Like, one question I ask myself a lot of the time with guys is, how are they going to get easy shots in the NBA? So do you have any thoughts on, like, how he gets easy shots or how he can be efficient? Yeah, I mean, the thing with him is that, obviously, the... The shot diet is going to get a little easier in the NBA. I mean, just he has to create a lot for his team, which I think can help his draft lot his draft stock because I can see now that he can now he can create in so many different ways. He can force his way into the screen and all of that, but he's not efficient with it yet. I mean, the over reliance of the floater like can can help at times. In general. When I watch a prospect that's inefficient, I I really try to figure out if that's like because internally, like the dude just is a chucker, and I mean that's one of the guys who won't be efficient in the NBA, or maybe it's about a situation, maybe just you know maybe this doesn't work for you right right now, and I think Hugo is one of those guys. I mean, I believe the three point percentage will be better. Um, just because he will take a lot more easier catch and shoot looks. And just because easier looks, you got you got him playing with, I mean, right now, the, the center is Delaney. And uh, that man got a pretty nice post hook. But other than that, he's not a good, like, lob threat or anything like that. So once he's going to play with better play finishers, once he's going to le- get a bit, a bit stronger, he's going to learn from, like, from the NBA coaching staff and all of that. I mean, because he can score in so many different ways, I think it's mostly about finding the right balance for him uh, as, a, as a player, you know, like when to pass, when to shoot and all of that, because he's got all of it right now, just needs to you know, get a little better at it, get a little better at knowing what to do and when. Uh, and yeah, kind of that's it. I mean, I would like to see him 
Jeval a bit more free throws. Uh, like I don't think it's a weakness. Like there are some there are games where he just went into guys and got a lot a lot just to see it more consistently. Uh, yeah, I mean uh, I like it. I mean the thing that he kind of needs to stop doing, which I feel like is what has made him less efficient at the rim that than he should have, is that sometimes he just goes and like say going left. He doesn't actually even go left because if he's comfortable finishing with, with uh, both hands, so like he's coming off a curl, he's going left. He gets by his guy because you know he's a very good space creator, very fast. So I feel like differentiating him for guys like Tyson Washington or uh, Jaden Howdy that he can create space, like step back for you and eat up his knees and like create a real space. So he just goes, he, like he drives and he just kind of decides, okay, I'm gonna shoot this one uh, because. The guy will set me the screen uh, like he's not rolling yet because I'm coming off a curl. So, like, I don't really like have anything else. So, instead of like putting a mesh and, and taking a big, then sometimes he just goes, or oh, I'm going to shoot it. And not always the right decision. But in general, because the dude is so skilled and he's also a smart basketball player, I do believe, like, in a bench roll, in a more off ball roll, because he can come off screen and shoot threes. Like, that's. I believe in it can be more efficient in the NBA. Oh, I'm on mute. I was talking this whole time. My bad. Um <laughs> I was saying, uh, the, on in the Lamelo Ball draft, that was the first time a lot of folks had really encountered a, a major prospect in the NBL, and they were really worried about his efficiency. And he was the extreme version of that, right? Like his shot diet was crazy, 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 crazy. And he was similar to Besson and Usman and Giddy and Jiang. Like these guys are all skinny going up against grown-ass adults and you know some of these guys are 28 29 30 years old they've been lifting weights for since these dudes were like watching cartoons or whatever and they're a lot stronger so it's harder to be efficient in terms of getting paint shots and stuff like that um you know it's it's a fast-paced game over there it's very physically demanding so um there's a lot of running and if you're not in shape and you're 18 it can you can tire you out. So um, I I don't want to say I'm not worried about his efficiency. Um, Josh Giddy and RJ Hampton both shot around 41% in the NBL, and they're both shooting around that in their early NBA careers. It's, it's still really early for all of these guys. They're all super young. So we'll see what happens. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if as all of these guys – get a little stronger and uh, figure out where they can get good shots from their efficiency ticks up. Um, I do think for Besson, especially um, him getting in a situation where he can get catch and shoots where he can attack bent defenses. Um, that's going to be important. Um, I wonder if he's going to have to refine some of that in the G League or if he's going to go to a team where he can just come off the bench and do that to start his career or what. 
So um, it'll be, I think whoever picks him has to have a, I mean, this is true of anybody, not just him, but they got to have a plan for, for development. It can't just be like, all right, you're chilling on the bench here. And then maybe in the G league randomly doing whatever, like, if you want him to be an off-ball player, get him practice doing off-ball stuff. You know, if you want him to be a point guard, send him to the G League and let him do point guard stuff, right? Like, I think that sort of stuff is important for him. Um, if you if you were a team picking him, would you try to give him some point guard reps or focus more on just combo guard stuff? I mean, I'd have to see what he's comfortable at. Yes, mm-hmm. the athletes. Like, just kind of see, I mean, where you can establish a baseline, like you can get him comfortable doing something. And then, but, and because he's just comf- like, I've shown it like with ease coming off screen, showing movement speeds and mm-hmm. running pick and roll. So like, I'd definitely give him some, but it really depends because if I'm, like if he falls down and let's say you need wacky picks to swing on him uh, late in the first round, like that, they don't really, they're not really going to, you know, run offense to him. We're going to be and Chris and Joe. <laughs> so, it really depends. I mean, that, I think that's going to be a game in his rookie season where, like, guys get injured and, uh, like, the coach has to play him. Then people are like, whoa, they hear you from the bench there time, time. Like, something like that. So, uh, I would give him some project reps. I would try him in different ways and just mostly see what he's comfortable at. Then keep, like, once he really is comfortable with something, then I'd, I'd start, like, developing from there and... Uh, you know, getting more comfortable in the other areas. I think I agree. And because it's probably likely that he ends up towards the back of the first round or the middle of the first round, or maybe even the second round, though, hopefully not. Um, his team will probably be, it's probably a higher chance that they're decent, if not straight up very good. So um, it'll be interesting to see if they do like how the Knicks did with Deuce and the Rockets did with Daishan and they let them run the show a little bit. And then, uh, and then it'll be interesting to see what they do after that because that's where Houston and the Knicks have diverged a little bit. Where um, for Deuces, I mean, he's barely played, but like he's mostly been off-ball combo when he's in the game, and he's only just now getting to like use picks and stuff like that after like two months. Whereas Dyson, when he's got a chance to play, which hasn't been often. You know, they let him do what he does, which is be a point guard. So um, it'll be interesting to see what we do with Hugo. Um, And I want to take us to uh, another player um, in the G League, uh, my boy Jalen Hardy. I want to talk a little bit about Jalen Hardy or Jaden. Too many Jalens in the NBA. Jaden Hardy and uh, his teammate, Dyson Daniels. Um, So for people who don't know, the background on these dudes um, is pretty interesting. I think both of them have fascinating development trajectories. Dyson Daniels came out of the Australian uh, NBA Academy, like Josh Giddy before him, um, played on the Australian under-19 team this past summer where he was the man, the point guard, the bucket, all that. Um, and... Then he was one of the players to sign up for uh, the G League Ignite in their second season, along with a couple of other prospects. And surprisingly, um, they let him be the point guard on a team that featured Hardy, who uh, at the beginning of the season had a lot of hype. He was a projected top five, top 10 pick coming out of Detroit, where he scored a zillion points in high school. 
Um, he was supposed to be the next in your explosive elite shooting Dame Lillard type guards, um, real high talent skill level, pulling up from 35 in games in high school and AAU and all that McDonald's all American. Um, and then uh, the G League team also has Scoot Henderson, who's 17, but probably going to be a top three pick next year and is also a point guard. But despite all that, they let Dyson run point guard. And we found out why uh, after watching a little bit of uh, both of these guys, because turns out uh, Hardy, even though he's, you know, he's not a black hole, he can pass a little, but he's not really a point guard. And Dyson we could talk a little bit about strengths and weaknesses, but he can play point guard, especially at that level. Like he's very calm with the ball. He played point guard for the Australian team. Um, he can run pick and roll. He can, he doesn't get sped up or phased very much ever. And he's just kind of a really smart player who knows where his team is going to be. Um, so they settled into these roles where Daniels would be the point guard, very much pass first point guard slash wing defender and Hardy was the guy who got the most shots. He took tons of shots, very inefficient. Um, I watched them early. I watched both of them early this season and I made my opinions on them. I was like, Hardy is not the next Dame Lillard. This guy doesn't jump that high. He's not that fast. He's not that tall. He's like six, four. He shoots, but he's inefficient. I don't really care about this guy. And then Dyson, I was like, okay, this guy is tall. 6'6", six, six, he can sort of play point guard, but he can't really shoot, and he's not the best at driving, so I don't really know what to make of him. And then everybody started telling me that these dudes both started hooping in the last couple of weeks, so I had to tune in again. Um, when was the first time you got to check them out? Was it recently, or was it, like, before? Like, did you did you catch any of Dyson when he was playing for Australia or Hardy in high school, or was your introduction to them more recent? I'm really new to this kind of draft stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I kind of do is that I like, there's a prospect right now, like say howdy. So I watch howdy <laughs> now. And then mm-hmm. like to fill the gaps, I kind of go back and watch yeah. all these high school films. Uh, so my introduction to them really was uh, a showcase. And uh, in preseason when I started playing, uh, and then Dyson like, was like the second possession from the entire preseason. Dyson threw like a crazy one-handed ski pass uh, <laughs> to the corner. I was like, oh, okay, so, th- so that's what we were doing. Uh, yeah, uh, so that's how we started for me. That's awesome. Um, I think Dyson is funny. He has, a, he has an interesting way of jumping on people's radars, even though he's a pretty laid-back player. Like, most people didn't watch him in Australia, so, you know, don't feel weird about that. Um, and then, like, you tune into the like, night game, and it's like this big redhead, tall guy who's in shape, but also looks like a teenager because he is a teenager, and he's also like defending the adults, but also playing point guard. So it's like, oh, who is this guy? And then in All Star Weekend, you had the G League playing with the rookies and the sophomores, and I didn't even watch it, but everybody told me Dyson was the one who was like stealing the show and looking comfortable and all that. So that's yeah. pretty cool. Um, to hear that like how you were introduced to him seems to be it's not uncommon for him to surprise people with his game so i wonder if he's one of those dudes who the same thing happens 
in the draft cycle. Like every year there's one or two guys who are in the 10 to 15 range who, you know, they, they interview well, they, they're charismatic. They clearly work hard. They're humble. And then they go into these open gyms and they, maybe they were a shaky three point shooter like Dyson, but in those open gyms, they've clearly worked out in the last couple months and they hit like, you know, 70, 80 out of a hundred threes or something and move up draft boards. Last year it was, Patrick Williams um, and Chris Duarte and Trey Murphy. Um, Williams not really a shooter, but he's not not a shooter. So it'll you know it'll I could see him being one of those dudes. Um, one question I have for you about Dyson is, like, what what do you think he can or should be in the NBA? Because he's kind of just a basketball player. He he's like he could be lots of things, but I'm curious what. Like get to ask you the same question I asked before. If you were a team who was like, I like Dyson Daniels, what would be your vision for him? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I have to ask myself that as well when I started <laughs> like watching him, because Dyson is kind of in between uh, positions. It feels like, I mean, he has a point guard passing and IQ. Like, I, there's no doubt about it. He's not like Josh Giddy in that area. Well, the comp- that comparison is going to be made, and I think it probably should be made because the guys are very similar uh, on the offensive end, at least. But uh, so it, it's not like not as comfortable driving and putting pressure on the defense, which is very important as a point guard, because you're not just going to have reads that are open to you. You have to create them. So he's not a perfect fit at point guard, and then at a, when if he's going to play like small forward. And an off-ball role where you can just say, okay, just like guard the best player or destroy or just control the passing lanes and uh, on defense, and that's going to work out like on that end. But on offense, if he can't face the floor, it makes things extremely difficult. So I think if you're a team that really likes Dyson Daniels, you view him as someone who may not be a, f- a full-time point guard, but he's someone who can go into a point guard role. Uh, that, like, after, you know, he's, he's so young that if you do believe in his, like, development, you do invest a lot in it. Like, he can be a guy. I think there's definitely a world when where he's a guy who's averaging, like, easy eight assists a game and, you know, one point guard, like, get like next to a shooting guard who's really high volume and then just kind of let him be the main shot taker from the backcourt. He kind of sets everyone up, everyone up. And out of that, on offense, the shooting, like the percentages are ugly uh, from the free throw line, from the three point line as well. But the form looks better. Like it doesn't look that bad. The and to end the year, he started shooting it much better from free. And he looked more comfortable. He said he looked more comfortable as well. So the vision with Dyson, like imagine a guy who can play point guard like for 50 seconds passage of the game. He can guard one for four because now he's six eight apparently. Like that just came out like two days ago. That he just rose to six to six eight like Giddy. So he can play he can guard one for four and like legitimately make an impact defensively run some point for you, get others involved, like run some smart offense. And uh, hit open freeze and they are presented to him. And that guy, like, 
that's a really good basketball player. That's a really good NBA player. Um, so I, when I started watching Dyson, like I was kind of out on out on him because I changed my view to well, if you're gonna play an off ball wall and you can't shoot, probably it's because I watch Jay Sean Tate every night and Jay Sean Tate is like, like there's not a better six four non shooting dude world player in the entire history of the game or something like that. Like elite slasher, elite defender, like the passing is pretty good. But because he can shoot, like he probably shouldn't start anymore. So I may be a little bit too influenced on that. So it worked with me and the, the percentage didn't really six six seven as the season went on, unlike someone like Bochamp, for example. So I was kind of out, and then I really got into his passing. I really watched how his pick and roll defense is so good. I mean, he's able to kind of predict where guys go and beat them with the spot. So he's high IQ defensively. And the fact that, you know, like Josh Giddy is not athletic at all, for example. But Dyson Jaguars does have some athletic tools to him. Like, there are many plays where. You see him at the rim, you see like a guard coming through, and you're like, oh, that's an easy finish because he's not going to do anything. And then Dyson like goes up vertically with his long hands, and he's actually like, he's got a decent head, heading time. So, like, suddenly he gets the block, or he forces like a tough shot, which, which really impressed me. So, I am kind of like late teens on him, which I think is pretty low to put like a number on a place on my board. Because I think you ask you're asking of to improve on so many different things, like to make like real improvements. I mean the shooting, the aggression, like guys were one of the aggressive scorers as prospects, really like they rarely turn themselves around in that area. I think confidence is so important, which is why one of the guys who I've been talking about that is on here. So it's possible that he's the still of the draft, in my opinion, but I just don't really love betting on guys when the shot isn't there and the aggression isn't there. So, like, I don't really know, but he's a very interesting <laughs> prospect. Yeah. yeah, he's a tough one. Um, I've gone way up and down with him, and um, he reminds me... I'm, I'm glad you brought up the, the need for him to shoot because I don't think... It's not impossible for him to be a point guard because if he learns to realize, oh wait, I'm six foot eight, I don't need to take floaters all the time like when I was six foot four two years ago because he's grown four inches and in, since twenty twenty, um, then maybe he can uh, become more of a point guard because he he's good at getting to like the beginning of the paint and then he always just bails and doesn't really take that last step or that last dribble, which is uh, something Knicks fans are very familiar with because all of our players and prospects ever in the last 10 years have done that. Um, but uh, if he can make the change that like Emmanuel Quickly is making right now or that RJ Barrett... Well, RJ got to the rim before. He just took flip shots when he got there. So getting to the rim wasn't his problem. So I shouldn't say he's like RJ. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, like... For on-ball point guard scoring stuff, it's interesting. I, I was I was able to get a hold of his synergy stats, and his best play type is pick-and-roll ball handler, and he doesn't even shoot pick-and-roll threes right now. Um, he just 
is able to somehow produce out of that out of just pure like his his shooting on that was like around 50 percent and i'm like how like he has a great floater that he goes through too much i I, it turns out he shoots his floaters at like 45 percent which blew me away because he overuses it so much so usually when a player overuses it it's not going to be as efficient but apparently he broke the rule so um maybe that's that'll help him until he further develops his skill. But um, like the Knicks, Knicks fans saw that with quickly who shot his floaters at an elite clip in Kentucky um, high forties. And then his first year he went to it too much. Defenses knew about it and he was shooting it at like 33% or something. And now it's back up again because he only uses it when it's a good shot instead of all the time. So, you know, there's ways for him to improve, but like you said, it would have to be, him getting better at a lot of things for him to really get that point guard look together. One thing I'm a little more confident in is his jump shot, which isn't good. If you look at all of his jump shooting stats, they're not good. He shot better in the last 10 games, like you said. And I kind of, he has all the, the passing and the good understanding of the game and the defense to be a connector type, but you're right that like you, you want those kind of players to be able to shoot it. And, you know, the question is, do you trust him to be able to shoot it okay? And I would say I trust most teams to get guys to become okay shooters. It's just getting them to be more than okay that is tricky. So it really depends on a team's confidence and their ability to do that. Like, I think of someone like Josh Hart, who somehow has managed to be a solid connectory role player shooting guard even though he's never been a great shooter he's never been a bad shooter so i'm like maybe josh hart is kind of like a he's he's shorter but he plays huge and rebounds and defends just like dyson so maybe he could do something like that to make a space for himself um lonzo and caruso um they're kind of connectorish guards um, Caruso can't really shoot though, which is why he's been a bench player, a very good bench player, but still a bench player, right? Lonzo got paid because he was able to finally shoot. So, um, you know, if, if you think, oh, there's a good chance that Dyson can become a Caruso like bench player. If, if you say that and you're happy, then maybe you're high on Dyson. But if you say that and you're like, I'm not spending the Knicks 12th pick or whatever to get a sixth man then maybe you're not so happy with Dyson. So, uh, you know, I guess it depends on on your perspective there. I want to talk a little bit about Hardy, who I mentioned um, got off to a really rough start. And I've been watching, I'm telling you, I watched three Ignite games and his stats weren't like amazing. He still wasn't super efficient, but it was night and day to me from earlier games in the season, like, they're encouraging him to shoot a ton, almost like the NBL prospects do. And they, he's shooting more than Kuminga shot, more than Jalen Green shot. And he's doing it by just putting up threes like crazy. And his shot form is beautiful. And uh, his overall shooting on the year is not good. It's like a low percent, like low 30s. But I don't doubt that he's a better, much better shooter than that. And it's on decent. He takes a decent amount of difficult threes, like step backs and pull up shots and stuff like that. So uh, if 
the diet gets a little easier, that'll probably go up. Um, I was checking out synergy stats and one that jumped out. Most of them are horrible, but one good one that jumped out the page to me was he shot 50% on 40 unguarded catch and shoot threes, which that's kind of what I expect looking at his form. Like if he's open, I assume it's automatic just watching him shoot. Um, but the th- the other thing that blew me away is he seemed much less sped up and much more comfortable. Like if they go under, I'll shoot a three. If I can make some space with some crossovers, I'll shoot a three. If they chase me over the screen, I'll go into the paint and I'm not afraid of taking a long two or driving and kicking or trying to finish. And his finishing and his driving and kicking is kind of an adventure, but like, it's still the right decision, you know, like, Oh, like they went over it. I make a play for my teammates. So I I like where his head is at. And I don't know, I'm struggling to balance all that top five stuff is like way out the window for me. I'm not even considering that. I'm just, I'm, Oh, it's almost like the evaluation of best son to me. It's like, okay, six, five combo guard, not explosive shooter, can pass a little, Besson can pass more, um, can create space. So how good do they have to be at the shooting and the shot creation to really pay off, right? Like you think of someone like Terrence Ross, who's, I mean, obviously Terrence Ross is a super great dunker, but like he's an inefficient streak shooter off the bench, which there's a role for that. But like you think of other guys like Evan Fournier or Gary Trent, or Jamal Murray, like these guys are all bringing major shot making to the table. In the case of Fournier, enough to offset his defense. In the case of Trent, you know, he can defend that it's good enough to offset his being a little shorter. So like college basketball fans join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. You cost new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like, who will make it to the next round? And who will hit the most three-pointers? Then track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 plus restrictions apply. See show notes for details. If you or someone else you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. That's for Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming, 1-800-NEXT-STEP, that's for Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 for Colorado and New Hampshire, 888-789-7777. Visit httpccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut, 1-800-BETS-OFF, that's for Iowa, 1-877-770-STOP, and or text 7867, or sorry, that's 7867 uh, for <laughs> Louisiana, 877-8-HOPE-NY, or text hope and why 467369 New York. Visit opgr.org for Oregon. Call text TN, call or text TN Redline 1 800 889 Tennessee or 1 888 532 3500 for Vermont. 
21 plus, 18 or over in New Hampshire or Wyoming, must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Vermont, West Virginia, Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See httpdraftkings.com slash sportsbook for details. For guys like Besson and Hardy, how good do you think they have to be at scoring to make everything else work? Yeah, I like the comparison between the two. Uh, and it's interesting because, you know, the son was like, I didn't even know he was a guy before the draft started, before the draft cycle started. And Hardy was top five, and now they're like in similar boat, at least for me. So it really depends on how much they're willing to accept a role and how much they can like master what they're good at. Because if either of them becomes um, a knockdown shooter off screens, like say a Malik Beasley type or Buddy Hill type, like Buddy Hill got, like how much, how much was that? Like 140 million? Because he was one of the league's best shooters and even he didn't have like much else. So, these guys, if they can shoot as well as they probably think they can shoot, then um, then those are they are like long term NBA guys. Now regarding becoming stars, I mean, for Hardy, I think it's gonna be tough. I mean, the thing with Hardy is that like there are two things that are important here. One is that the main thing is that, like for example, Paolo Banquero, he didn't play for one and a half years after uh, high school. So when he got to college, like the passing was not there. He had, like, he looked like he had full free for the game for the first couple of games. And now you watch Parkeo now, and that dude is one of the best passers in the entire draft. And he's by far the best passer of all, uh, like, the top picks. Uh, so how do it's kind of a similar situation with him. Like, once you recognize that that guy did not play for a long time, of COVID and everything that happened. And then the three-point line is also longer in the G League than in college and high school, of course. So once you like, put everything together, he was raw. He, he needed to get used to, like, to playing again against his own men. And then he got so much better as the season went on at literally everything. So that makes, it, that makes him a more intriguing prospect. However, I do think like the flaws remain the flaws, you know. Like that dude, he shoots so much, like every shot. He likes so many, sh- like taking just like everything kind of that he's gonna have to change his shot diet significantly to be an efficient scorer in the NBA. He doesn't get to the like the lack of speed. I mean, the space creation is not. I wouldn't say it's great. So he really needs to rely on his craft a lot. And because of the lack of lift he gets uh, at the rim, like he's one of the G League's worst volume finishes. And the G League, I like destroyed the G League finishes. Of course, they're very different prospects. But they, they, the G League, they just they don't have really those bigs that are massive. Like I know, like college basketball, for example, you have Kofi Co- Coburn, and it's tough to finish against him. But and the G League don't really have; they don't really have those type of those type of guys. So the lack of finishing is concerning. 
the shot selection is concerning. The passing is better than I thought as someone who didn't really know him because he just heard, oh, he's a chucker and he shoots everything, and which he kind of does. But the passing is very impressive for someone who, who I thought was going to be a pure two. And that helps. The defense is kind of whatever. I mean, he has better tools than uh, the Sun, but uh, he definitely needs to get better there. And so it really depends. Like, I saw a comparison for uh, Jordan Howdy is Malik Beasley with passing upside. I kind of like, like that one because, like, he, I've seen him compared to Buddy Hill, and Hill doesn't really take middies and doesn't really pass. Now, Beasley is a bit more like. Like what I'm, I imagine how they would be doing in the NBA. I like that a lot. Yeah. So it really depends. Also, can he develop? Like outlier development always happens if you believe in the if you believe in the guy so much. Like after high school, he legitimately had it like top five and top three. So the rough start from being so like away from the game for a little while and playing in the G League out of the sudden shouldn't really stop you from putting him like top 10 or maybe close to it. But realistically, I don't see that dude becoming a star just because he lacks the ability to create easy shots and the ability to to really do anything at a good level and shoot like consistently. So I'm I'm kinda I'm I've been moving him around my board. I have him like late lottery now. And just because I feel like when a guy shoots as well as he does, like shooting, passing, confidence, which is so important, then like an NBA team is going to have to like, like there's going to be a realization for him that he can be a star. And I think once that hits, like he's going to be a pretty good role player for like many years and that's, that's valuable, you know. So he's going to be good. Uh, not sure exactly how good he's going to be, like probably not... <laughs> What people thought, like I remember seeing tweets in Rockets Twitter, like, okay, we take Mobley now, we take Jaden Howard the next year, we set. So it's not going to be like that, but it could be like a good role player for years, like no problem. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I feel like his draft range is pretty high. Uh, he can go as high as 10 or as low as 25, and I wouldn't be surprised. So um, we'll see. I mean, we saw last year Cole Anthony, similar top five uh, hype coming in. Didn't quite live up to it at UNC. Still went uh, in the lottery, I think, like 15th or 16th. So um, I could see, yeah. especially one of the better teams that could use his shooting while he develops um, playoff team. I could see that. I could see a team like the Knicks that's kind of stuck in the middle, just taking a swing on him. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um but I want to keep us moving to uh, to to some larger players, uh, similar to Dyson, uh, another smart international player, good feel for the game, very talented, and that's Nikola Jovic. Um, he plays. He's six foot ten, six foot ten Serbian, and he's just he's you know if this was six years ago, you would have called him a stretch four, but that's not really. A thing now because fours who shoot are the default. Um, if you don't shoot and you're a four, you're weird, like Julius Randle. And, uh, you know, he's somebody who had real top 10 hype. I know you're a huge fan of him. I think he's in your top 10. 
Um, yeah. I've seen some people cool down on him. I don't think he's done anything really worth. It's not like he's had a bad stretch or played poorly or gotten a tremendous injury. I think other people have just found out about other players and kind of forgotten about him a little bit. So like to me, my, my, I've, I've watched him a little bit, watched some games of him and my evaluation of him is kind of where it's been for a while now, but um, can, can you explain why he's like top 10 for you? Yeah. I like my pleasure in watching prospects has been watching Hugo Besson and Nikolajovic. Uh, <laughs> and it's not because they're international guys. I just, like, outside of the top guys, they're just so fun to watch. They're so fun. On the offensive end, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, with Jovic, the intrigue is pretty simple. I mean, you get a, you get a 16 dude who is fluid as heck. He can one pick and one for you. Like, the handle allows him to one pick and one for you and do all kind of stuff on the offensive end. The shooting... Like, the guy takes absolute frizz. I mean, that dude is a chucker. Like, <laughs> I saw the <laughs> name. let him shoot like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, man. they just shooting everything. Like, uh, like, step backs from 30 feet or something. Like, some crazy stuff. So, that's why the percentages, like, if you go check them, it's like 34%. But the form is very pretty. The shooting on open shots is legitimately good. So, I think, like, in the NBA, he will get better well, not taking those absurd things. One see over our teammates, like, yeah, like you. And out of that. So you got the shooting, you got the handle, and you got the the brilliant passing that, and decision-making. That, I mean, it's funny, Nikola Jokic, Nikola Jovic, and it's not at that level of passing. And <laughs> very players in NBA history are. But he just makes the right decision. Like, he's so good in 2v1. Oh, 3v2s, I mean, in pick and roll, like, he, he can force the defender to go over, like, that's what usually happens. So he gets downhill, and he has a great touch, so he has a floater, ready? He's, he's a very good low passer, so, like, he just reads the, the big, and he's an excellent kick-out passer as well. So if the low man helps, he's got the kick-out, like, any time. So it just feels like that dude is going to succeed because 6'10", guy, should be like that step back freeze, like with legit space creation and great decision making. Sometimes he legitimately sets up the offense like a point guard, just tells everyone where to, where to go. Like he draws a switch, like teams just switch against him because if you do anything else, you kind of like you lose. And they don't have like Mega doesn't have like a strong post up center, he just destroys mismatches and Jovic. Is not at that level, even though I love to him take step back free, so it's just so fun. But he's not like a great scorer uh, in ISO, so that's what they do. But if you don't switch and you let him get downhill, I trust him uh, to make the right decision. And really, the biggest difference is that I mean, I'm watching Josh Giddy, and he's not again, I've been comparing a lot of guys to Giddy today, but and he's not like the level of passer level of basketball genius that Josh Giddy is. But it's a pretty good passer, of, though. What? I say he's a pretty good passer, though. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty good. Like, just not getting levels, but he's very good. So I'm thinking, okay, if Josh Giddy had a legitimate free that he was confident in, that he could pull up any time 
how good that win will be. And that's why I have Nikola Jokic so high because, again, decision-making, shooting, handle for 6'10", dude, were some absurd highlights. I mean, and he's only 18 years old. And it looks so like he does some, he does, I will admit, like he does do some wild shit sometimes, like negatively. <laughs> he throws some, he, he imagines passes. So, like, he stares it away. Uh, the shooting is that good. And the, the defense, I mean... On ball, it's not really that bad, but the closeouts, like he doesn't, he does not know how to close out. He all. moves like he just, like like a like he just got this body. Like oh shit, like I I got I'm six ten and I can run fast now. Like like he just started to be six ten and fast like a week ago. Like he's always full sprint, and then on defense, he's like kind of doofy. I I wouldn't be surprised if he's. I, I should go. I should go look this up later. But I bet like two years ago he had a growth spurt or something like that. Yeah, I mean if he's play style, I think for sure he had a growth spurt. Like very recently, <laughs> I mean, yeah. And like the last point I wanted to touch in with him is that he's finishing. It's definitely not good right now. I mean, first of all, his body is pretty undeveloped. Like compared even to eighteen year old other prospects in this draft. He just he has, he can put on, on so much weight in the NBA, which is why also I'm so why I'm so high on him. But right now, I mean that dude, he can't finish with really four people at all. He has to just use high IQ uh, to finish on floaters. Maybe get better in the NBA with more strength, but the finishing is like, just the main weak point. That he's very jump shot dependent, and if the three isn't dropping, then he can like he can get down the hill, draw some help because. Team just help on everybody and then create. But, like, if the jumper doesn't drop in that game, I'd be surprised if he has, if he has an, an efficient game because jumpers kind of all, all that he has coming while he's down in the floor. Though. So, uh, yeah. He's interesting. He's so for I was pulling up his stats while you were explaining his game. His assist percentage is uh, 21. Which is very good for someone who's not a point guard. Um, there's some point guards who don't have an assist percentage of twenty. So they don't want the offense for him. Like it's kind of right. Like, they don't. He's not the point guard. Like he's legit doing that as not the main ball handler, which is really impressive. Yeah. Um, really and know. folks should also know in the under nineteen tournaments, like there, there's a very. I'll I'll tweet this picture after I tweet the pot out. But um, there's a famous picture of the the. The, the MVP and the other, like the, the best players on all the best teams. And it's Victor Wembanyama from France. It's Chet from the USA. It's Jaden Ivey from the USA. Um, Zach Eady. And then he went. Oh, yeah. Zach Eady for Canada. I was like, who's the other giant person? And then yeah. and then it's it's Jovic, who looks like a small child next to Victor, Chet, and Eady. But like, he's a legit 6'10. I almost kind of. I hope he goes to a creative team because I think he can play because on defense early in his career, I feel like you're going to have to put him on like weaker links anyway. Right. Like if I was, you know, if I was playing the Knicks and I was his coach, I would not put him on RJ Barrett or Julius Randle, even as annoying as Julius Randle is, I would put him on like, whatever Nick rookie, like Deuce McBride or like even Evan Fournier or something like that. Like someone a little less physical. 
just to start or even like a center like if if I knew the center wasn't going to do anything so cuz on offense he can he can do wing stuff so you can play you could play him on offense with another big with a power forward and a center and he'd be fine cuz he's such a good shooter and he's such a good passer so I, you could do a lot of creative stuff with him so it'll be really interesting to see um See how his career unfolds. Like you said, he's really young. He's one of the youngest players in the draft, along with um, A.J. Griffin and Shaden Sharp and some others. I think he's still going to be 18 on draft day, if I'm not mistaken. So um, he's... Man, like, I've been doing my board, and I keep ranking him low, and I feel terrible. And I I think I might have to move him up, because even without his defense, like, a big shooting... I, I, I have a theory that a type of player we're going to begin seeing more in the NBA that we haven't seen as much is like, remember earlier I was talking about the connectors like Dyson Daniels and Lonzo and Caruso and Josh Hart. I think we're going to see big connectors. Um, And it might be a little tricky for a big connector who doesn't play defense as much. Because if someone's not the main, a main scorer, you want them to play defense. But like, I, I, somebody who's big and can turbocharge your offense through passing and shooting and scoring without demanding, without being the center of your offense, kind of like Obi Toppin does on the Knicks. I feel like we're going to see a lot more guys like that. Cause all these tall dudes grew up watching Steph and Dirk and all these guys. So they're going to come into the league with guard skills now. So it's about to get real weird real fast. Yeah, man. I mean, Jovic, the guy plays he's like he get like as much of a guard as a six ten dude as I've seen. Uh yeah, but, yeah but I think we kinda of said like Jovic pretty simple. Like the the upper right now is not gonna be as a rookie. I mean he's gonna shoot pretty well. And the thing is that just every time he gets real penetration and then he gets like the big come to help. Like immediately, okay, that's a lot for the big, easy, automatic. And there, there, there are plays that are posted, like multiple, that he does that. And then the, the big just blows it because, like Masson, he's not playing with a legit play finisher. So that in the NBA, it's going to take him maybe a little while just because he's so weak and because he's kind of wild right now. But the upside with him is honestly so high which is why i'm in top 10 even though i know that if he has to play a connecting role he's gonna be good at it offensively no doubt but the defense like it needs to get much better but he i think there's like a legit chance he just doesn't need to play a connector role that's that's how high i am on his but on all his skills with the ball so we'll see what happens and i hope my team drafts him or just a team like just not the funder of something. I don't like the funder. Like give me, <laughs> give me Orlando or something. Like I just, I want to see one team that I enjoy watching. Like just, just go, just like do some wild stuff as a rookie. And yeah, man, like the upside is everything. I'm, I'm all in on him for sure. You might be muted again. Oops, I forgot to take myself off mute again. I was going to say I love it. I don't know if I'm top 10 confident, but that's less because of him and more because of the other dudes in the top 10 who I really like. Um, he, 
is kind of a scary prospect to take because he's so young, but he's definitely got a lot of talent. So it'll be, I agree. I hope he doesn't go to the Thunder just because fuck the Thunder. And I hope they get the lowest pick they could possibly get this year. Oh, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, by the way, he's an awesome dude. Like I have a guy, I have a friend uh-huh. I'm talking with. That dude talks like he talks with his biggest fan every day and just talks with him. Like he's an awesome dude too. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you, man. So like it's uh I don't know. It's he he's it's gonna be fascinating to watch. I hope I don't even know what team I would like him to go to. Uh I won't even speculate on that now. Let's let's bring it home and talk about one more guy who some people would say is more boring than all these players. And those people would be probably correct, but for a for a role player, he actually has some pretty exciting plays. And I would argue, even though I don't have him in my top 30, I should maybe reconsider that because I think he actually has some upside too. Um and that's uh, Christian Brown on Kansas. Um, he's a little bit of an older player. He's a wing. He's about 6'7", very athletic, very strong. Um, good shooter who doesn't shoot as much as you want. Um, is not afraid to go out in transition and get physical and dunk on people. And generally is in the right place at the right time. Um, I know you're a fan of his. Um, as far as more sleeper kind of picks go, and, and you mentioned you wanted to talk to talk about him as a as one of your sleeper dudes. Um, so what's the sales pitch if you're a team, you know, a playoff team? You got some All NBA player, you got Giannis, you got Jokic. Why are you considering Christian Brown in the end of the first? Well, I mean, I think what at least fans often do, and probably teams do as well. Is that they want to imagine that the next great role player prospect is in this draft? So Kendall Brown, for example, he's very raw, but like there are go- there are people, and there's gonna be a team that believes, okay, we can turn him into like Scotty Brown because he's smart and can dunk and all of that. So some guys were more safe and more sure that like there are pretty easy cases like to figure out. They're gonna fall because they're not. I mean, upside and some teams are going to believe in guys that, like they can turn into their ultimate wall players, the next Robert Covington, Draymond Green, all of that. So Christian Brown is not going to be drafted. Well, I think he should be drafted. But that dude is just just good. Like I think I can I can see him trusted into the NBA with ease. So the first thing about him is that you said he's not afraid in transition. And I would just like to take the role of not afraid and that's Christian Brown, I mean, he trash talks every game, everybody. I mean, that dude is so much confident in his game that it's absurd. Uh, and with that confidence, I mean, he he just like is a kind of a six 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 is uh, a six six guy who doesn't have a long wingspan, which is, I wish he did, but he's good at warding up drives on defense. He's a small defender. He's shooting 39% from three. Now, he hasn't sh- he shot like 33% the previous couple of years, but the four looks good. The three, four percentage look, looks good. And he does stay, like, he doesn't take as many shots as you want, like, a good shooting back to take, which is what he said. But the shots he does take, they are not, like, open with the corner. Like, sometimes, yeah, man. I've seen him take movement freeze, pull up 
uh, it's like pretty it's strong on defense. You can one up drive. You can like you just beat defenders to the spots, uh, offensive players to their spots sometimes. And the best skill, the best skill that he has, is his great quick decision making. Like there are guys who I mean there are so many plays where I feel like if a player made that pass that's just a tiny bit quicker, that's an open free. But he didn't. So now that that like the player who received the ball now has to attack a closeout and maybe he's not good at that. So Christian Bell just makes quick decision so much, like so quick, so good. His passing for a connective wing is high level. Uh there there's a Kansas player that they run like once a game where he just throws a half court lob to Okayagbaji and <laughs> like that pass is always so accurate, at least that I've watched. So passing, shooting, defense and the last thing is that okay, like guys look and say, okay, he's white. He's he's the ball in transition. <laughs> Let's block him. And no, you're not gonna block him because he yeah, has, doesn't like, work. <laughs> yeah, man. Like he's bounced on guys. Uh, I will say the finishing is really bad. Like he can't really contort his body and finish in different angles. He, he seems unflexible, and the short wingspan also helps him there with his finishing. But when he can dunk, like when he just has a pathway to dunk, he, he gets some posters. Like, don't jump with him. That's not, <laughs> I would not recommend that. So, he's an older guy who doesn't have a long wingspan or a great shooting track record. But he's just very good at basketball, very confident. He's a perfect fit for like any team. So, that's why I have him, like, I have him late teams, which is really high. Because I just, I'm, I'm just going to, okay, Kendall Brown. Maybe it can be good, like maybe he hits, maybe the jumper, like maybe he actually starts shooting for his and free years. But Christian Brown, he, like I, I'm, I want to bet on the guy who I know what like, will work out like pretty well. I mean, the comparison for him is kind of Pat Connington, who like, is just slightly better at everything, especially defense. And that guy, like, I mean, okay, I guess it's the most shot, but that guy is just. Just so easy to plug and play in, uh, everywhere, and I believe like I'm not sure why he's not getting as much draft buzz as he probably should. Maybe because like Budgie's taking all of it for Kansas, for Kansas, and Brown really is like he's not very involved. Like he just like when they're in transition, maybe when he gets the ball like in an advantageous situation where he can make like a quick read, a quick read he does that very well. He's not gonna run offense for you. Like not even in the college level, he doesn't really do that as much. So that's probably why people are missing him, kinda. But just a dude who is a safe bet to be a good role player, and like he gives me those, like in the middle late of the first round, like give me those. It'll be interesting to see who takes a bet on him. While you were talking, I pulled up his synergy page because I was curious, and his shooting stats are. You know, like you said, he shoots 39%. On catch-and-shoot shots, he shoots 42%. Um, most of those, like you, uh, most of those are unguarded. But even on the guarded ones, he shoots 43%. Um, so he takes a lot of spot-up shots. He's really good at them. He's 36% on off-the-dribble threes, which isn't bad. Um, one thing that's very, very interesting that was the most surprising thing uh, where'd it go? Damn it. Oh, here we go. So most of his offense was spot up 
and transition. That was about 60% of his offense. The next highest category for him is pick and roll ball handler. And he rates out as very, very good at pick and roll ball handling. And it gets to what you said, which is his decision making um, on pass. And this is partly, this is a testament to his teammates, but on uh, most of his playmaking out of the pick and roll is to guys spotting up and, on passes out of pick and rolls to guys spotting up, the percentage on those plays is fifty one and a half percent. So he's making the right plays. He's hitting open shooters. Um, he only has a couple of possessions hitting the roll man, uh, three of them. So that's not really like a big number, but he's clearly a solid pick and roll passer. And uh, when he creates his own shot out of the pick and roll, he shoots forty eight forty nine percent. So when you're thinking about a a player to you know be the third, fourth, fifth option on a team, you know a, a lot of guys think, okay, can they hit us? Can are they a sniper and can they dunk? And that stuff is important, but like increasingly now, that's not enough. You got to be able to attack a bent defense. You got to be able to like scramble and use a screen in the nick of time, and he can do that. He can spot up. He can use a screen. He's very good in transition, although his non-dunk finishing needs a little bit of work, like you said, and he's solid on defense. So um, it's it's going to be interesting because he's in that, like, that third group of the draft that stretches from, like, 15 to, like, 35. Like, yeah. it'll be interesting to see if teams decide to take more swings for the fences or if they decide – that player isn't there. I'm not even going to try to do a home run swing. I'm just going to take someone like Christian Brown or even like Ochai, his teammate, and uh, go for someone who's who's safer and who they know will produce. Um, so, man, I, this is another one who I'm like, should I move him up? I already got all these people I like in my first round, and he's right on the outside looking in. I think I had him like 33 or something in my last list. But I don't know. You, you might have convinced me to move him up more. Anyway... We're we're over an hour, so I've already uh, kept it too long, and and I don't want to keep our listeners too long. This isn't regular Pod Strickland where we go for two hours. Uh, we have manners here. So, uh, Itamar, I wanted to thank you again for joining. Um, again, y'all can find him at Itamar underscore seventeen underscore ten. Um, I don't know if you have any any particular things coming out that you want to shine some light on or any websites you want to plug. But if, if there's anything you want to let folks know about, please uh, go ahead and do that. Yeah. I, I have some stuff in the works, man. I'll be posting those on Twitter soon. So uh, that's that. And uh, yeah, man, thanks for, for bringing me on here. It was a lot of fun, really. And uh, yeah, man. That's it. Great. We'll have to get you back on regular pod Strickland. So um, I, I know you love talking about the draft, but like another topic that I'm fascinated, or maybe this will be, I mean, this is technically draft related too. So maybe after the draft, we can get you back here and talk about it. But like, I'm just so fascinated by the Rockets young players and who's getting playing time and who's not. And, and the are they putting Sangoon and Garuba in a place to develop and KPJ and like, it, they're so they're just a fascinating team to talk about. So uh, we got to get you back on here. Man, Gawu played 13 minutes like, like yesterday. Played how much? 13 minutes. That's a season high. 
Oh never wow! Played more than five minutes in like actual rotation minutes. Like, did he I'm shoot? Down so bad, dude. What? Did he shoot? Yeah, he he made a contested fruits, which made me like really happy. Uh, oh wow! I'll have to go check that clip. I'm sure you posted it. <laughs> All right. Well, listeners, thank you again for rocking with Jeff Strickland. We'll be back. Uh, Eighty. Three days till the draft, so um, more more to come soon. Stay tuned. Peace, y'all. The New York Knicks select R.J. Barrett. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Kohler Smart Toilets introduce a new standard of design and cleanliness, sculptural forms, intuitive technology, and total personalization with integrated warm water cleansing, heated seats, and warm air dryers. For peace of mind and convenience, there are touchless lids, seats, flush, and a self-sanitizing bidet wand. Now you can even use voice commands with Numi 2.0, featuring built-in Amazon Alexa. Explore the complete lineup at Kohler.com slash smart toilets and discover what you've been missing. If you travel, you know how to pull off a perfect getaway. You know after you enroll with your Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card, you get up to $10 back monthly on U.S. rideshare purchases with select providers, like a car to the airport. You know which remote retreats have the best herbal baths and where the Wi-Fi password is rarely used because you're the escape artist. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply. Purchases must be on card. Visit go.amex slash you know. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.